this computer continues to grind away. If I hadn't opened it up, I'd think there were animals inside working it, like the Flintstones. And you thought the inside? Oh, forget it. That joke sucks. Never mind. What was it? The, the animal would always say, it's a living. Yeah, there you go. I was trying to come up with something on the fly. My brain is not working like that today. I've, I've got to like, uh, I've got to wake it up somehow here. Um, open a window. Although it's probably a thousand degrees where you are. It is uh, ninety-eight degrees. We had we had the most rain I have ever seen in this country ever. Today, I I I don't say that lightly. I really mean it. I have never seen weather like that in my life. At least not in the UK. Absolutely terrifying. Yet, at least we... You see, we, we were supposed to be on holiday this week. Right now. We should be on holiday. And we're obviously not because of job situations and things like that. Right. And so I kind of had this feeling that because this was the week of the year that we'd arranged to be in a tent... That everything would go to shit. Yeah. And and it's it's coming true. It turns out it's right. We'd have been killed and washed away if we were in tent day. It's it's crazy what's happened outside. We must have got we got about six feet of rain in fifteen seconds. It was that bad. We didn't really um, get that much rain. That would have I wouldn't be able to talk to you now. I think if we had that much rain. <laughs> the extreme heat here has been kicking up a lot of severe thunderstorms, and I just did a quick calculation here. It's thirty six point six Celsius. My God. Yeah. And, uh, it, I mean, it get, there's parts of the country where it gets like that all the time, but to have two weeks of that sustained without any kind of cessation um, in the in the northern central part of the country, it's pretty crazy. And it's, like I said, it's been kicking up these really big thunderstorms that sweep through and just destroy everything. They, they kick up, um, well, they haven't kicked up really tornadoes so much where I am, but wind shear that knocks down power lines and this morning i was worried because we didn't have internet for a, a good long time for about three or four hours oh i'd have been worried at that point yeah uh if you ever can't get a hold of me on the web don't be worried right because i'm either dead and so there's no need to worry about me anymore or <laughs> it's something that's temporary so don't worry about it fair enough fair enough yeah see i always worry about our internet going out because we're kind of in the we're in what you'd call rural england but it, it always seems to be quite reliable. It went out for a little bit the other day when they had. I phoned them up. They had. We're having an unplanned service upgrade. And you think, well, do you mean it's broken and somebody's fixing it? Is that what that means? An unplanned service upgrade. Right. We didn't expect to have to do that, but there we go. At four in the morning. Yeah. At least uh, they they had the decency to not say, "Why are you so desperate to get the internet working? It's four a.m." At my job, job, there used to be this secretary who every time that our computers went down, any t anyone who called, she'd be like, well, we can't do that right now because our computers are all broken. And I finally pulled her aside and said, look, you can't say that anymore. Just don't say that because it, it really hurts customer confidence. And I said, just tell them that we're going through a routine upgrade that we can help them in a couple hours. Don't worry about it. So, yeah, that's something that I would tell people to say, too. It makes sense. I get it, but it, it these things amuse me greatly. It's kind of really I understand. Like, you see, with things like that, I understand if it breaks. You know, from time to time, they're building a high-speed communication network, 
that goes the length and breadth of the country. It's fiber optic cables. It's it's super fast internet. I couldn't do that. You know, it's I find it pretty impressive that it is there. And so if you're going to tell me that at one in the morning one night, it's going to go down for two hours, I'm not going to get upset with you about that. I'm, I'm really not. does a whole routine about that, about how people always complain about their cell phones, how, you know, the web is too slow on it or something. And he's like, it's a fucking miracle. You're carrying around the entire Library of Congress in your pocket. And if it doesn't have, if you get like one dropped call, how can you justify being like, mm, this phone sucks? Exactly. You've got to get perspective on these things. I remember when there were no phones. I'm I'm really getting worried about Craig's uh, stag do weekend because it's it's in the country and I'm I'm worried that I'm not going to have cell phone signal, or at least three G. We're packing up um, tonight and tomorrow morning. First thing we're leaving to go to Pennsylvania, which I, I know that that doesn't really mean a whole lot to you, but um, you know coal country in in Britain there. Yeah. Imagine that, but like with nothing for miles, <laughs> like even more rural than you can picture rural. Like you, you ever see cartoons where it's like a, a guy in a straw hat and bib overalls carrying a shotgun? Yeah. That's where I'm going. That's tomorrow. Pennsylvania, is it? That's Western Pennsylvania. Like the Fresh Prince is from Philly, which is the other side of the state. And that's all very industrial factories, uh, broken down urban neighborhoods, that sort of thing. The other half of the state is like the sticks, log cabins with crazy old kooks hold up. Um, you know where Punxsutawney is? I don't know where it is, but I'm very familiar with it. You've heard of Groundhog Day, of course, and Punxsutawney Phil, the groundhog. Yeah. That's six miles away from where we're going. My, my grandparents live near Punxsutawney. Oh, well, yeah. well, I don't think I don't think we've got anything like that here. It's See, not like the movie makes it look right. <laughs> See, the, where I grew up, uh, South Yorkshire is primarily that's all coal mining. That's what the industry there was, and so yeah, it's it's very different. The coal mining of Great Britain to uh, to North America very different because we we have lots of what are called pit villages that sort of where grew up around a coal pit and so they were basically in many cases just built by the people that own the pits so we have so many just built towns that would not normally exist because they're near a factory or a coal mine or something like that there's one just down the road it's a world heritage site Saltaire. didn't exist then a man built a factory and people couldn't work there so he built houses and a school and shops and a church and many other things uh, part of the area where my newspaper covers, a few years back, about eight or nine years, there was a big investment company from actually your area. Uh, I can't remember what the town was, but it was a British investment firm. They wanted to sink a billion dollars into this 800-acre property um, about 20 miles away from me where they just wanted to kind of plunk down a brand new city where nothing was. It's what we do. Yeah. They they were like, well, we're going to have a golf course in the middle, and then we're going to build this 70-acre shopping center with um, an indoor ski slope, and it's going to have – and they just started listing all these things. Like it was a domed beach where it was completely climate-controlled inside. It was just going to be a, a beach under a glass dome, like something out of a, a fucking sci-fi movie. See, we're good at and that as well. We, do you actually have those? We don't have a – I don't have a beach, but there are many other things. 
like These that. These are the things that blew me away. I just couldn't believe mm. that they were planning like where it's just fallow, open, wooded crap, like owls and weasels and pine trees. <laughs> they wanted to replace it with a billion dollars worth of infrastructure. I'll, I'll find you a link to something. In fact, aren't we, we're doing holidays on the show, aren't we? Yeah, we are. Do you want to do a show intro? Because this is all holiday stuff. Yeah, let's just get into let's it. Let's just go. Let me grab my notes here. Here we go. I'm Jason and he's Rich and this is Remastered where we've already started talking about holidays or as we would call them in the United States, vacations. And I just want to start this off by saying that I've been to a lot, a lot of places all in the United States and a little bit in Canada. Rich, I'm really excited to hear about all your cool vacations because we don't get to jump around to the exotic places as much as you do. Yeah, we've been. I've been all kinds of places. Yeah. As I was saying before the show, I've been to Pennsylvania an awful lot, which isn't a whole lot to brag about. Right. I've been to Indiana an awful lot. Again, very flat cornfields. That's pretty much the end of that. Uh, I'm hoping that you can tell me about Italy. I can't. I've never been to Italy. Ah. I'm afraid. That's that's one I've never been to. Let me bring up a map of Europe. What would you say has been your most exotic destination? Ooh. Do you know, I don't think I've been anywhere I would describe as exotic. I mean, there's... Let, let's have a look at this map. Where have I been? Oh, that's damn Google Earth. That's no good. Right, so I, I think that, first of all, my, my holidays as a kid, it, it kind of was dictated by my dad's job. <clears throat> um, he, you know, he was a teacher, and later my mum became a teacher as well. So we only ever went on holiday during the school holidays because they were at work the rest of the year. And as they got promoted through work, so the holidays got bigger. And now they just go on holiday all the time. It's sickening. It's just what they do. Uh, and so we started out with UK holidays. You might have heard us mention places such as Great Yarmouth. You might have heard of that. Which is I don't Norfolk. know what it is. It's a really grim place. Um, you see, in sort of like the 40s and 50s, uh, British uh, seaside resorts were very popular because you just couldn't, no one could afford to go abroad. No one went anywhere else. And so you had, you, there are some very old uh, seaside towns. Great Yarmouth is one of them. You know, people have been going on holiday there for at least 100 years or more, that sort of thing. Bournemouth, which is on the south coast, which is where it's kind of, that's our equivalent of Florida. If you, that's where all the old people live in Bournemouth. And you can See, go on holiday there. I would have assumed that your equivalent to Florida was Italy, which is why I brought it up first, because Florida is one of the most popular destinations here oh. for vacation time, especially um, like in the winter. If you live in the north like I do, if you can hit Florida, it's if it's uh, freezing here in Florida, you can go and run around with no shirt on. It's 80 or 90 degrees there. So I was kind of thinking there might be some some crossover. No, you see, we don't think of Europe as a country like that. We, we really don't. It's it's very close and bits of it, are, you know, the, as we were saying last time, you, you may well have traveled geographically as many miles as I have, but I've been to far more countries because they're all smaller and right next to each other. And so, but we still don't think of them. Europe isn't just one big place and we all go everywhere we want all the time. See, I thought that with the formation of the EU and with the, I don't want to say more liberal passports, but with, with the easier passports to, to hop across boundaries that you would start to think more of it as a contiguous 
uh, entity, not nation, but a, a definitely a contiguous entity. No, no. And, and that whole idea that you don't need a passport to go from country to country, give it a go. Really, you're not going anywhere. <laughs> it's, it's one of, you know you can stand there and argue with that guy at that that port all you want he's not letting you on that boat without your passport and that's all there is to it um, you know that's one of the really neat things about the u.s is that there's no stopping at state borders uh, you just see a sign that says hello you're in ohio and there well, you are that, that's or, the hello, difference welcome I mean, to new york europe is politically one big entity but not really that so you know you are passing into another country you might start to see more relaxed borders sort of in the middle of the day, in the middle of the mountains between France and Spain or something like that. But leaving the United Kingdom, you'd better have a passport. You're not going anywhere without a passport. At a push, maybe if you got someone on a really good day and they, they maybe, and I mean like a really good day, like they, they got engaged the night before or they just found out they're going to be a parent level of good day. Maybe then with an EU photographic driver's license, you might get somewhere once, but that's it. And good luck getting back. Really, I just wouldn't leave this country or attempt to leave it without my passport, even for for Europe. Now, what about traveling between England and Scotland or England and Wales? Right, there's nothing there. It, that That would be the equivalent of driving from state to state. Okay, so the UK is consolidated that way. But when you take the ferry across the, the uh, English Channel, yeah. When you get off the ferry, the French government say, what do you have to present? Um, actually, no, it's on the way out. Oh, to get back in? No, from... In, from uh, let me try... It's a long time since I've done this. I just don't ever remember stopping at passport control on the way as you arrive in France. Things generally would be checked as you leave the UK, but not as you arrive in France. Because if you imagine the, the chaos of... Uh, an airport terminal when a plane arrives going through passport control yeah imagine that but everyone is in a car and some people are in lorries and in this case because people are in lorries carrying shipments of things they're under time real time pressure and that sort of thing and so i think at that point they just like okay we trust that they've checked you so just just come through so when you queue for the plane, is it the British government checking your passport going out, or is it the French consulate or French representatives checking? From plane, it would be both. Okay. All right. So there's – see, it's, it's weird. It, when you go to the Canada from the U.S., uh, the Canadian Border Patrol is – I mean, they're, they're thorough, but they're not anal. And you can get into Canada a lot easier than you can get back into the U.S. Because say that you want to hop across the Canadian border from Windsor into Detroit. So, um, you know, it's, a, it's, a, <laughs> it's a, a pretty contentious area. Very, very poor. Lots of weapons. Used to be the murder capital of the United States. Ooh, Detroit. Nice. Hooray. Yeah. Robocop. Yeah. Um, it's it not a million miles away from what Robocop depicts. <laughs> or, or the crow or anything like that for, for that matter. Yeah, it's not but, doing well. Um, when you go through the big tunnel underneath the lake to get into Detroit, um, they're liable just to pull you over, take your hubcaps off, strip your doors off, take everything apart on your car, searching for drugs. And then the U.S. Border Patrol will be like, okay, hey, we didn't find anything. You can put your car back together and go. See, we, we always expect a similar thing when you come back into the U.K. from the Netherlands. Uh, th three times I've done it, I think. Three or four times. Three times. Uh, because obviously Nether the Netherlands, you've everyone has been to Amsterdam. We know what we've been to Amsterdam for. 
let's not joke about this, we've all been to smoke the weed. And maybe how many of those tourists think, well, I could bring a little bit back. I could, I could just bring a little bag. And, you know, I know people who might have done this on occasion. I've never attempted it because I'm well under the belief that I would be the one that got caught and thrown in a, a jail for years. Of course, that's how it works. Um, but so you always expect when you land on a plane that's come from Schiphol, in uh, the Netherlands, you think that the customs here are going to be ridiculous. Everyone's just going to be strip searched with the big rubber gloves at the bottom and everything. And yet, I have never once seen a customs official present on a return trip from the Netherlands. Huh. Not, not, not just searching someone else, but no one there. No one cares. And you always work through thinking, I could have carried an entire backpack full of drugs back with me and no one would have known. And it's... Ugh. Not that I'm to, desperate to be a drug dealer or anything like that. but To some degree, that was the case on the extreme northern New York border, uh, right near Montreal, because Canadian drinking age is 18, or was at least when I was in high school. So you'd get a lot of American kids, uh, United Statesian kids, rather, who would jump across the border. Um, they'd be 18, they could drink legally. They would hop back across the border, and the U.S. Border Patrol would be like, guess what, guys? You're coming back across with the BAC of .07. Um, even though you're not legally drunk, you have been drinking underage. Uh, you're protected under Canadian law, but not U.S. law. So stick your hands out, spread your legs. Oh, dear. Yeah. We were quite lucky that we can drink at 18. Or not lucky, <laughs> depending on how you look at it. But, uh, yeah, we don't have anything like that. We just go to the Netherlands, smoke the drugs, and come home again. Although I've I've not been for a number of years, and I believe they've actually in some way made it very difficult to do that or put a stop on it altogether. I know this is getting a little bit off topic, but I would be very curious to find um, what that means for random drug testing. First of all, at your jobs, do, would you have random drug testing? No. Oh, okay. So you don't even have to worry about it. I was going to say, if you go to um, Amsterdam for the weekend, you smoke legally and come back with THC still in your system, would a random drug test necessarily get you in trouble? See, in the United States, if you go to work and they do random drug testing, which is kind of kind of really just there to scare you. They really don't do it that often, but they can. Um, if you test positive, there, there's no excuse like that. You can't say, hey, I was in Mexico and it's legal. Yeah, we just don't have anything like that. <laughs> um, generally, I, it might happen on occasion in isolated incidents, but no, you wouldn't expect a random drugs test and there'd be uproar if there was one, I think. But mainly because most people would have some level of THC in them. That's just my very liberal <laughs> opinion of the great British public. I don't think I'm far wrong. Um, but, you know, anyway, back, back to holidays. So do you, you know, want me to tell you about some of the experiences and some of the places I've been? And yeah, I'm really curious sort of to find. Because like I said, I mean, I'm, the places that I have gone have been really kind of neat, but I'm expecting them to be completely mundane next to the neat cultural things that you've seen. Well, Okay, then. So to take you through the, the holiday experience, I mean, so first of all, you'd go to, you'd visit a travel agent and that, you know, that would, going back to the 80s, it was package holidays. So sort of around Christmas time, dad would go to the travel agents and pick up armfuls of travel brochures and spend the next couple of months looking through them until eventually we would all return to the travel agents as a family because it was that exciting and book the holiday. Do you have package holidays? Is that something you're familiar with? 
I suppose that we used to, but the idea of a travel agent now is just... Oh, now it's... It's not economically feasible. I, I don't know... I don't even know where I would go to find a travel agent. I can tell you that my family was too poor to ever use one. Our holidays were already uh, are always done on a shoestring budget. You see, I think the idea of the concept of a travel agent is different. Um, essentially, what would happen is this: they wouldn't arrange your holiday for you. Like, you wouldn't go somewhere and be like, well, I want to go to here. What, what have you got? What can I do there? And that sort of thing. They'd just be basically be the interface. You'd have these travel brochures, which would have the holidays and the prices in them. And basically, they were they were kind of like the equivalent of Expedia.com. That, that sort of thing. They're just where you go to pay, and they interface with the company that you're actually paying. So they're, and, they're really just a broker. Yeah, pretty much. They're not... Uh, they they won't be charging much of a commission for arranging your holiday. You see, the first time we came to, we went to Florida. That time we went and visited a, what I think you would deem to be a real travel agent, where we basically just turned up in his office and said, "We want to go to Disney. What what can we do?" And he arranged the villa and the flights and the car and the tickets and everything like that. Whereas when you're buying a package holiday, that is essentially what you're buying that's the package you get the flights and the hotel and the bus from the airport to the hotel and there are reps from the company there that tell you what trips you can go on and all that sort of thing and so we we started doing that i think the first time i went abroad was probably to Mallorca, which is one of the the spanish balearic islands in the mediterranean very popular british holiday uh, resort um we flew there which was also my first time on a plane which just amazed me. I remember that quite clearly with Orion Airlines that haven't existed for probably 30 years. That makes me a lot older than I actually am. Probably 20 years. I don't know. And we stayed in a, a, a villa. I think, yeah. A villa, which is sort of the, the big white Spanish buildings that you've seen on TV. With the clay roofs, with the the clay roof and the big white paint to keep the, to reflect the heat mm. off the sun and that sort of thing. Now, now, where were you? That would just let me see if I can. Rem was it Calador? Yes, it was Calador, which is spelled C A L space A space D O R. Something of gold. I don't know. It won't uh... look anything like now what it did when i went there because i was pr honestly that we, we probably are going back 20 years uh so it, it will be very different but a very nice place from what i remember and you get you see what i think we get that you wouldn't get from not leaving the united states is you get a completely totally different culture i mean right down to the f part of the holiday is you know uh getting money because uh, in those days, the French used pesetas. It's less exciting now because we have uh, bank cards that work all over the planet and uh, uh, it's just euros when you go into Europe now. But before, it, it was every different part had their own currency and you went and got either traveler's checks or a big bag of cash. And that that was part of it. Changing it seems like money. the currency consolidation really took a lot of the romance out of all that because... I think one of the neat things would be going and seeing the different symbolism that they used to identify Absolutely. themselves nationally. Absolutely, and you, you, you're really right. It did take a lot of the the niceties of travel out of it. And it was... I, I remember that being... I remember being at school in a humanities lesson with this debate going on. Should we have a single European currency? 
And one of the biggest reasons my class at the time put for not doing it was it's less fun when you go on holiday. And so I, I just remember that being a, a great indication of what is important to people. And I think Europe is such a boring place. We couldn't do something for that's not a good enough reason because it's nice. Isn't a good I, enough reason. I agree. I was sitting here thinking, you know, I would argue the same thing, but at the same time, that's not exactly the foundation for a sound economic system. Exactly. You know, <laughs> um, and, and so we, we changed and I, I think rather fortunately England didn't become part of it. It's not done everybody a great deal of good. It's all right if you speak German, but uh, everyone else seems to be not doing brilliantly out of it. You know, um, I think I would have to say no. I don't agree with having the euro. I, I would, I would, I mean, I have no experience in Europe whatsoever, but I'd like to see it go back to the other way because one of the major um, points of contention here in the U.S. is should everyone speak a common language? Should we have English as the national language? And it's not written into our constitution. The political right tends to align on the side of yes, we want a national language. The political left says, no, we want to embrace multiculturalism. Um, of course, as you know, on the left, I, I like the idea of there being a lot of mixed culture. So do I. I, I think it's a wonderful thing. I mean, don't forget, though, this is the, the big crux of it all. The British pound is the first single European currency. Um, you see, we're, we're lucky enough to have so much history that we've forgotten a great deal of it. And... There used to be this thing that was kind of like what Europe is now, only we called it the Roman Empire. And they had a single currency for all of the countries that now have a single currency. And that, I was wondering about that. Yeah, and that currency was the pound. And so in actual fact, we just didn't join the new single European currency because we hadn't dropped the old single European currency yet. So... That's what really happened, but it just took 2,000 years or so for it to... Wait, the, the Roman currency was the pound? Yeah. I thought it was the denarii. No. It might have changed its thing, its name in various ways over the years, but we, we are the ones that never dropped the currency. Huh. We did go decimal, that helped. Don't get me into old money here. That's way off topic and it hurts. <laughs> It hurts. It was, yeah. But that, that's it. So you don't change your money now. And it, well, yeah, like I say now, you just go, you put your card in a machine, in an ATM when you get there and it gives you local currency. There is some differentiation between the euro notes and coins. So, you know, while they are all euros and cents, if you have French, uh, euros printed in France look different to euros printed in Germany and to Spain and all that sort of thing. You know where they've all come from. We have a similar thing here with quarters. Um, a while ago, the U.S. Mint did um, state quarters, where each quarter used to have um, – God, I can't remember now which side they changed. I think they changed the tails side. Uh, our quarters have heads and tails. Um, on the front face, the heads side is a picture of George Washington. Um, flip it over, and you've got – or you used to have a long time ago – the eagle. Now it's – Ohio, for instance, has a um, – Wright Brothers model airplane because Ohio is the birthplace of aviation. It's where the Wright Brothers lived. Um, other states like Georgia has Georgia peaches on there. So it's something, uh, a taste of that culture. So even though it's one flat currency, yeah, there's some regionalization going on. Yeah, we just have the queen on everything. I've got, I'm looking at a pile of coins now. Yeah, it's just As the, you would. It's the queen on everything. And something with a crown on on the front. That's it. 
Um, so yeah, getting your money was part of it. That was that was all part of it. Maybe some people would even venture into the foreign language phrase book, which you know the little pocket of excuse me, can you tell me the way to the town hall, please? That seems to me a very British uh, stereotype because you see um, you see these shows, especially ones that air here, usually on PBS, British shows that we get exported or that we import. Um, like Mr. Bean goes on vacation, that episode, I always laugh because it seems like here, here's all the stereotypes, and one of them was him flipping through the English to French book. Yeah, I've never been approached by anyone with a other language to English fra- uh, phrase book. I have been approached by numerous Japanese tourists with no phrase book and no English at all and just pointing. Uh, but that's that's pretty much been it. Now, what do you speak? Do, do you have a secondary language or a tertiary language? If I was being really trying to show off, but I'm awful at it. My se- the, the second language I learned at school was French. Uh, je, par- je parle un petit peu de français as well. But it seems like going in the United States anywhere these days, French is really pretty useless and you'll want some Spanish. So I'm curious about your trip to Florida. Oh, we just don't... We, you, <laughs> Don't think that because we might, some of us might get phrase books, that we are, you have to remember, we are generally incredibly insensitive travelers with a great sense <laughs> of superiority and believing wait, that Wait, that, wait, 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 you're talking to an American. I, I know, but I, I kind of feel you guys, you see, we kind of think that we should be running whatever country it is. Or, uh, still or the perhaps, great empire mindset. Yeah. Or perhaps maybe even we were at some point running that country and we've given it back and they've damn well made a bloody mess of it. That sort of attitude. And so what you'll tend to do is if you find somebody who can't understand you, you will generally just speak more loudly and more slowly and in quite a patronizing, condescending way until they either get it or walk away. <laughs> that, that's, that's what we do. Um, if you if you look at how Basil Fawlty treats Manuel, that's a caricaturist extreme version of our whole national attitude. Oh, he's foreign, you know. Uh, you can't expect too much. Now we know better. <laughs> that's all I can say. Now now we know better. But would you say that that's common to to the English people, or is that something that's just? I I think I don't know. Maybe from your economic class, you you always describe yourself as being from that kind of you know posh middle upper class set. It's, it oh, it, it, there's far worse than me, and and they would probably <laughs> be far worse at it. You know we, you know when I talk about being middle class, it's it's under the assumption that there is also an upper class. You know, and even me describing myself as mid- from a middle class background would embarrass my mother greatly. It really would. She, I think, would much rather say I'm from a working class background. I, I, she would not hear otherwise. But it's middle class. It's just all there is to it. Uh, and so we kind of, I, I think you generally find that the middle classes are worse because they tend to have a great sense of entitlement that they don't really deserve, or and that sort of thing the upper classes tend to generally be i think there's something that comes with once you have achieved you don't need to necessarily prove anything it's when you're trying to achieve that you feel you have to brag about what you have achieved does that make any sense 
It does. Really rich people won't always tell you how much money they make and how much money they have. But middling sort of people of wealth would like everybody below them to know how much money they have. I'm painting a really bad picture of my my family and my background. They've never been anything like this. So, <laughs> yeah. Did you always stay in hotels? No, no. Um, we occasionally did. Stay, we, I, like, gosh, actually, let me think if I staying abroad. No, we never stayed in a hotel. Not ever. Now so I were think you big campers? It, no. Um, well, yes and no. There, you'd have a mixture of things. There were the villas, which were very nice. Uh, sometimes apartments in apartment complexes, which are there for holidays. Um, occasionally, I think we had tents two years, but they were, that's the sort of thing where you, you go and the tent is already set up. We didn't take our tent and not like what Alison and I do now. What? What do you mean tents already set up? Well, you know, like camping, but you don't take any equipment with you. It's all already there and it's already set up and... That sort of thing. You're hurting my head. Well, it's... You know what I mean. It's, it's that's I it. don't. Where do you go where there's already tents set up? Lots of places. I wish I had some old family... This is a completely alien concept to me. Yeah. You'd go and there'd be tents set up. Like the place we went in Spain. Uh, God, what was that place called? Not... Oh, S-R-T-S. E-S-T-A-R-T-I-T. That was it. That was one place we went. That was That's the year the that, that that was the uh, the year that we appeared in the holiday brochure as well. That was a great time. Uh, and also, sort of the the mobile homes that aren't mobile trailers, essentially. That would campers, be campers. We call it campers. To differentiate them from from you know the trailer trash element. Yeah. Okay. So big campers. They were they were very nice for what they were. Um, Pop up or steel frame. Steel frame. Okay. And so that would be kind of like, a, we'd class it as camping. Oh, gosh, there's actually a picture of that. The actual campsite. Right, let me see if I can. F- Castel Montgri Hotel. You need to share this with the chat room. Yeah, bear with me. Bear with me. Which, let me just find the correct thing. While you're finding that, let me say hi to, to Boz and, and Bob and Tilly and Mechanical Bull, Gadiac, Explorer Dragon, Dino. Uh, oh, I missed E-I-E-I-O and... Our big, our big, uh, big group here in the chat room is simplesyndicated.com tonight. Right, I'm you pu- can listen to us as well. We usually record. This one's going out on Thursday on a 7 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. Usually we record Tuesday at that time, which is uh, midnight Greenwich Mean. Now I just put a link up for a Google image search, which is actually showing many of the I've been to. Let me just get back. So let's have a look. So if you click on the, you see the second picture on the top row, the one with the yellow umbrellas by the pool. Yeah. Let's click on that one because that's the pool. This is I've been, I've been. This is the place where we would go that had the tent set up. Let's see if there are any bigger photos. Oh, that slide wasn't there when I've been there. One hundred and eighty-two pounds per two-bed mobile home per week. Um, so this place, it's, it was actually said to be just one of the best campsites in the world. And having stayed at a few, I'd have to agree. That There's, is a really reasonable price. Well, this is the kind of place where you go, where you could either take your own caravan or tent, or there would be areas that were sort of 
sublet by holiday companies where there would be that holiday company's tents or campers. Um, they also, the campsite had some, its own villas and uh, sort of large houses for in the woods. Uh, and they had many swimming pools. This one you can see on the picture, uh, that, that huge one. And it was enormous. They had cinemas on site. They had restaurants, bars, uh, nightclubs, all kinds of things. And we, had, we went there twice, actually. That was just a spectacular campsite. And so you'd... Uh, I'm actually... Do you know what? I'm actually looking to see if I'm on any of these photos. Because <laughs> one year we were there, and uh, my dad got chatting to some guy at, a, at one of the things, and it turned out this guy he was talking to was the photographer that had been sent there by the holiday company that we were with to take the pictures for next year's brochure. And so after a couple of drinks, this guy was like, do you, do you guys want to be in the brochure then? Like, yeah, okay. Right, I'll come, I'll come round to your, your camper tomorrow. So he came round with his, his model slash assistant, and, and we, they took loads of pictures of us on holiday. Uh, sort of everyone sat around the table outside the camper with me coming out the door carrying drinks for everyone. And then later playing miniature golf, and playing tennis and that sort of thing. And we were in the, the brochure for that result the next year. Here's where I get to sound like an asshole American. What'd you get for it? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing? Nothing. We oh, got to be that's in the, the difference between our two cultures. Ah. We would have demanded money. <laughs> Here, here's something. Go back to that image search. Uh-huh. And on what it's saying here is page six. So you have to scroll down a little bit. I got you. And then the third picture on the top row of page six, that is what I'm talking about when I say the tent that was already there. Something that looks exactly like that. Big steel frame tent that we just... Alice and I wouldn't even have conceived of buying any tent like this to take with us because they're huge canvas tents. Huh. You need like six people to put one of these up. They're probably, they probably ha they have the same amount of space inside, possibly less than the tent that we actually own now that's just behind me in the attic, but... Yeah, they were they were enormous. It is kind of crazy uh, to to think of somebody else putting up your tent. We did an awful lot of traveling around the nation with at various times tents and at various times a camper. Uh, we went to Maine where we camped out. We camped in the Green Mountains, of Vermont. Camped in um, southern New York. Camped. Let's see where else did we go? I'm just trying to think here. Uh. West Coast, we did a little bit of camping over in Oregon. See, that, it sounds good. You see, you've visited lots of places that I would still love to visit. The thing is that they're just not as exotic as I would like for them to be because America is very much a, a homogenous place. Um, now, the geography is what is really different, not the culture here. So going to Maine was really awesome. Uh, we spent time in Acadia National Park right. in the tent. We went up to the top of Cadillac Mountain, which is the first place in the U.S. where you can see the sunrise. That was pretty neat, although you had to get up ass early to see it. Of course. Uh, just looking over this list of the places that my family went, uh, I think I feel most at home near the Atlantic. All right. Okay. Uh, you know, I've never lived in New England. I lived in New York, which is considered a breadbasket state, not really New England, but... I kind of feel like a New Englander. I, I like all that aesthetic, the the seagulls and the waves and the 
cool, you know, rainy shoreline and the lighthouses and the rocky cliffs and all that kind of stuff. I, I really enjoy that whole that whole thing. See, it's definitely an area of America I would love to visit because it's we we kind of have the the from our point of view on a holiday. There's sort of two locations. You've obviously got Florida, which is your big one for the theme parks and that sort of thing. <clears throat> and then maybe you've got California as well. Maybe Vegas, that sort of thing. We get a lot of TV adverts for Vegas here. Um, and then maybe you'd consider the other big places that you've heard of. Maybe you'd go on holiday to New York. Uh, maybe at push you'd visit L.A., although it's the kind of place. No, I've never heard anyone say, oh, you should go to L.A. No, L.A. isn't really like that. L.A. is uh, it's a big business complex. It's not like somewhere where you would just go for the hell of it. Yeah. And then Hollywood, a, maybe, I, I guess. But see, it, it would just be some place to visit because we've heard of it a lot and just to go and look at it. Um, but mainly it would just be Di- Florida and Disney. And so to start getting out into places like New England and, and Maine and that sort of place that a lot of of Europeans will just never go there. I suppose, you know, the the big America trip is a big thing for people over here because it costs a lot of money. As I imagine the trip, the the famous European holiday is for you guys. It would be very, very expensive for us to fly over there, which is really the only thing holding me back because I'd love to get over to Europe or, or even to... You know the the more westernized English speaking parts, um, but still it costs just so much. I could go to Florida for a lot longer and and live a lot better than flying to to London or France or uh, Paris or Madrid. Of course you could, um, yeah, and and that's why we come to you guys on holiday as well. But my family never did those big trips. <laughs> we were always about getting in the car and driving. It was it was it was very much a Chevy Chase vacation for us. We did do that. I mean, one of the times we visited the the campsite we've been looking at, we drove down to Spain, and that that was a great holiday in itself because you drive, you, you it's one of those get up at stupid o'clock in the morning, which is always exciting if it's to go on holiday, and you drive down to Dover. You wait three hours to get on the ferry. Then you've got the ferry trip, which is an event in itself. Uh, followed by, we did a three-day drive through France, kind of took our time over it, stayed in three different hotels on the way down. And then you have your two weeks there and three days in France on the way back up and, and that sort of thing. And it was just, that was an awesome holiday. I feel really bad saying this now because I know that I appeared to be miserable through all of it. <laughs> You ungrateful lout. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I complete looking back at stuff. I mean, I don't know if you've ever seen uh, the. I don't think you anyone would have seen the the home movie of our trip to America, and I am the most miserable human being in every single shot, without fail. It's no doubt that most of it was an argument between me and my dad. Because I just, you know, he spent thousands of pounds on this holiday of a lifetime. And I'm walking around, yeah, it's all right, yeah. I think that that's true of kids everywhere, though. Because traveling for kids is really difficult. I I always enjoyed it. And I I never, I don't ever remember playing up about the process of traveling. I still enjoy it today. It was just, I think the problem when we went to Florida was that I was 15. And everything sucked. So that that was pretty much the problem. 
If I went now, I'd be so happy. I'd, I'd be, I'd be so much happier than all of the the little kids there if we went to Disney World now. Uh, and so, I feel, I feel bad saying that we had these wonderful holidays that I didn't at the time appreciate in any way whatsoever, and really caused stress for my family. Now you've mentioned Disney World a couple of times and the other theme parks in Florida. I've got to say, I've never been to any of them. Uh, that's not the kind of thing that we would do on a vacation. We were always, like I said, about doing the very, very cost-effective things. So we went to a lot of beaches and a lot of state parks, a lot of natural things. In Florida, for instance, went to Fort Myers. That's um, south of Tampa, north of the Everglades. It's on the Gulf of Mexico side of the state. Right. And we went out to Sanibel Island. My stupid dog. I'm sorry about him. It's okay. It's always good to hear another dog bark. Uh, I really, I'm about ready to take my uh, sledgehammer to his face. <laughs> oh, he's been barking up a storm today. Poor uh, doggy. Oh, uh, he's fine. He's just excited. He sees people walking by outside. Yeah, we have that issue. Uh, uh, but we went to Sanibel Island, and I actually swam right next to a dolphin, which scared the shit out of me at the time because I had thought it was a shark. And right, uh, yeah, it, it was that kind of thing. I, I don't really miss not ever having gone to Disney. Well, m- maybe it's, I don't know if it's one of those sort of if you've never if you don't know what it is, you won't miss it. I can only imagine that it would be standing in lines for long periods of time in the sun on concrete where it's just baking you dry. And then you get on your ride for, you know, two minutes and then you're off and in another line for four hours. Uh, that kind of thing never appealed to me. The whole amusement park roller coaster log flume, um, water slides, that kind of stuff. It always just seemed tacky to me. I I wanted to be out running through some woods or hiking up the mountains, which done a lot of hiking. It seemed like everywhere we went, um, especially Pennsylvania, man, some really cool stuff in Pennsylvania, even though it's pure Hickville. Uh, have you ever heard of the Pennsylvania Grand Canyon? I've never heard of that. 47 miles long, 800 feet deep. It's a lot of hiking. Uh, it's not really as cool as the Grand Canyon. The Grand Canyon is is four thousand feet deep, so it doesn't really compare very well. But I'm no, it's still at neat for a little kid. <laughs> uh, we also went to Boulder Field, which uh, again in Pennsylvania, it's like miles and miles and miles of these boulders stacked twelve feet deep, like a like a lake of boulders that were all piled up by glaciers during the Ice Age. I see. So we'd visit a lot of stuff like that, natural formations. Uh, when, when we went out to uh, visit my aunt and uncle in Oregon one year, we traveled all the way across the, the country by train. So you're talking 3,000 miles by train. And when we got there, we went to um, Seattle. You could see Mount St. Helens, and I've got a bar of soap made out of volcano ash from Mount St. Helens. That kind of stuff was always the destinations that, that we set sights on. See, that, kind of, that sounds like the kind of thing we do on a second holiday. I I went too far with that one, didn't I? A second holiday. Yeah. We didn't always have just the one holiday. I'm sorry. I feel uh, this is another one. Right, so we'd have the big summer holiday, which would generally be two weeks somewhere hot, doing either something exciting, in the case of Disney World, or as little as possible, in most other cases, beach holidays, that sort of thing, swimming pools. Whereas we would, on occasion, be lucky enough to have a shorter second holiday, 
usually within the UK. On on a couple of occasions, it was in Mallorca. In which case, that was another. See, we have this other thing: winter sun holidays, where it would you'd wait till sort of September, October, and then go somewhere in Europe that was still nice. It sounds like you guys don't work very much. <laughs> well, again, this is the teachers for parents thing because you have your half term break. Right. I always make fun of Lisa because she's complaining how she's so tired and never gets any time off. And I just look at her and laugh and say, Lisa, you're a teacher. Yeah. You get three months off in the summer. You get six weeks of vacation during the year. What do you want? Exactly. I, 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 I've always thought it would kill a teacher if they had to do a real job. This really? week I'm on vacation. I've got 10 days back-to-back vacation. And that's the only vacation I am likely to get this year. I just remember not that long ago, my mum moaning that she had so much work on at school that she had to stay some nights until half past five. <laughs> and I just looked at her and started laughing. Uh, you don't get to complain about that, mum. Most people don't finish work until half past five. You don't get to complain about that. It's just one of those things. So we would have this week in sort of October time where the weather's miserable by October here, obviously. And you could go for, for very cheap on a little week-long package holiday to, to Spain or somewhere like that for the, the winter sun. Mm-hmm. And so that would be kind of beachy. But we also, you know, we'd have sort of go and stay in a cottage that would probably be not more than half an hour's drive from where I'm sat right now, which kind of takes the edge off all of those holidays as a special thing. It's like I live there now. Uh, and we'd go somewhere and just hike a lot, spend a week walking somewhere. Nowhere in particular. And staying in a small cottage. Uh, that's what we do. And so, you know, we, we always viewed the holidays in the UK, by the time I was being taken on holiday, were all very... I don't know. It seemed, it seemed you can go abroad. In most cases, you could get a foreign holiday for less money than you could stay in the UK for a week. You really could. I would love that to be the case. Lisa and I don't get to go very far these days. Um, especially with the addition of a small dwarf to our family. Oh, yeah. Because that kid does not travel well. This this weekend when we go over to Pennsylvania again for, to visit family, it's going to be an absolute nightmare. But, um, you know, there's not a whole lot to do in Ohio. And that kind of poses a problem because, I mean, let's see. What are the things that we can do? We can go to a baseball game. Um, we can go to Cincinnati and visit the caves or go to zoos. Um, that's pretty much it. So I can't wait for the kid to be five or six years old and start to be able to appreciate jetting down to Florida or, or visiting historical places, which is something that I really like to do. I, I minored in history in college. I love that kind of Americana stuff, the, the civil war battlefields or, uh, we, um, my family went to Boston one year and we went to Plymouth plantation, which is like a, Oh, kids, let's step back in time. Let's pretend it's the 1600s and we've just landed here and we're setting up a new colony. One of those kind of reenactment places. I love those places. Those are so much fun. I can't wait yeah. to have Ryland try those out with me. I, I would, no, I'd love to go and visit things like that a lot more. Um, Boston has such a lot of that cool stuff because, you know, the, the Massachusetts was one of the first colonies here in the United States. And um, when we were there, when I was a little kid, we toured the USS Constitution, which is this huge, huge fucking battleship. And when you think of a battleship, I know that you think that they're big, but until you've been on one 
and have gone down in its engine room and seen these pistons that are bigger than like five of your bodies put together that run this huge, mm-hmm. huge engine. You don't know how big these battleships are. They're just gigantic. It's like being in a, you know, have, have you, when you've gone to different places and you've flown, what kind of a jet have you been in? Uh, no, I've never been on a particularly massive jet, actually. I think oh, sort okay. of a, especially when you go with internally within Europe, you're looking at quite small planes. You know, uh, I can't really, I couldn't say what type of, what model of plane, but sort of maybe three seats and three seats on aisle and three seats kind of thing. Uh, The biggest one I'll have been on was on flights to America. And that's, that's that's not going to do it because I'm trying to find something like to put these, this battleship into perspective. Uh, Maybe the closest would be like take an airport and stack it on top of another airport but one of the airports is underwater that's that's what yeah. this fucker was like i just i can't get over how big it was they're they're very big from what i gather i've seen models um yeah it's see, going abroad isn't that expensive here now i look at you know sort of a week in spain calador which is not far from that place i just changed 461 pounds per person for seven nights that's, wow. That's next summer, though. That is that is amazing. Yeah, that's for this week, next summer. We were looking at possibly leaving Ryland with the grandparents, and for our 10-year anniversary, which is tomorrow, uh, we were thinking of going to Chicago. It's it's not going to happen anymore just because of scheduling, but um, we were looking at prices, and it was going to be pretty much that per day. Wow. Yeah. To be in Chicago. And and it's not like Chicago is this great, lush, exotic environment with lots and lots to do. Chicago is pretty down and dirty. And I mean, it's got some neat stuff in it. The Sears Tower, no longer than the tallest building in the United States. Um, Grand Central Station, that's really neat to see all the, the trains coming in and out. Yeah. Uh, the, the mile to the lake with all the shopping and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it, it's Chicago. My knowledge of Chicago extends only to the films of the Blues Brothers, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, and Brewster's Millions. And don't forget the Untouchables. And the Untouchables. There you go. Yeah. But that that's it. That's my knowledge of Chicago. Isn't there there's a baseball field with a train that goes through? Wrigley. I don't know. I'm pretty no, sure. No, it, it goes really through far. quite straight, actually. <laughs> ah. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, dear. That was a Craig Bevan joke. I apologize to the world so yeah we had some absolutely fantastic holidays and then god the trips that i took you know either with the band as well going to germany germany's an absolutely beautiful country i would actually say if you were only going to visit one european country you'd have to very seriously consider it being germany most of the time here the feeling that i get is that americans when they think of of, uh, europe the the Merck in mind goes right to to Paris, like that's the go to destination. That's the oh, I suppose that's so, the yeah. snap point. See, I've only driven through Paris. I've never actually. I, I I've I've technically been to Paris, but I've never been to Paris. That's the same for me in New York City. I, I basically grew up in the state of New York. I've been to New York once, New York City once, and that was on a connecting flight between JFK and LaGuardia yeah, to get up to. Northern New York. Yeah, we were on a giant coach going down to Spain. Uh, that was the that's the other way of travel. You see, going by coach. 
But again, a package holiday coach. So everybody's on the coach has booked the same holiday going to the same place. It's what do you mean coach? Like a big bus. Comfier. Oh, okay. I got you. Yeah. Um, and that you kind of do it. That would be kind of a 24 hour drive. And so on that route, one time we went through Paris and I think it was something like a Friday night at midnight. So Paris was all lit up. It was as busy as any city is ever, uh, even though it was midnight sort of thing. And that was, I remember that quite clearly. Uh, But that's it. That's my sole experience of Paris. Perhaps Paris would be the place to visit, but I don't know. I think the thing with Germany is it's, it's even more removed from British culture. And, and when I, extend it beyond culture to sort of architecture the way the country works street signs all of this it's everything is different and that that is what i think you actually you lose by not traveling beyond the united states it's everything is different i think it's the architecture that i would want to see the most there's a a weekend program on here on public broadcasting uh in america it's called rick steve's europe and it's the sort of thing that you turn on to go to sleep and take a nap. <laughs> but yeah. before you fall asleep, he always shows you these awesome, awesome things. And he spends a disproportionate amount of time in Bavaria and the um, Eastern European bloc, those sort of countries, digging up things that normally wouldn't make the big tourist manifesto. Yeah. And it's always the buildings and the, the scripting and the sculpture that's on the buildings and the stonework and the masonry, it, the art that's just grafted into these places that, you know, it, in the U.S., you're not going to see that sort of thing. You're going to see bright and shiny metal and glass and maybe some wood and concrete. And, and Europe, it's all marble and and limestone and sandstone all molded oh, together. Yeah. yeah. That, that, that just makes me so jealous that you have access to all that. We we have, I mean, if you've ever played computer games like Age of Empires, that sort of thing, where you have different civilizations that, that fight each other, and you see all that they put on into the graphics that the French have these types of buildings and the Germans have these other types. It's really like that, and it's it's incredible. It's It's one of my favorite parts of traveling throughout Europe, is that everything changes from country to country. But we all have, essentially, the same kinds of things they just are designed differently. So English castles are spectacular and arguably the most efficient and best castles in the world. Then, But they're different to French castles, which mainly look like just piles of bricks on the floor. And then they're different again to German castles, which look like things you've heard in nursery tales and that sort of thing. It's amazing. German Did castles you know that we fantastic. have American castles? I've seen programs. I <laughs> I've saw on Netflix. A pro- I watched one where it was a tour of American castles. And I saw this and I thought, a tour of what? Sorry. And so I put it on. And they were like, this is a really big house that so-and-so lived in. And you went, that's not a castle then, is it? That's a really big house. If, if an army was laying siege to that building, it wouldn't take more than an afternoon. Am I, am I, I'm, I can't be wrong because I watched it on a teleprogram. We've never really had to withstand many sieges. That's the thing. You've never had the French come over and try and... In fact, they did come over and they stopped us taking you over for a little while. That was I was idea. going to say the, the War of 1812 is, is the French and the British. Yeah, we, we just used your land to have another war on for a while. Was, well, it was your land at the time. Yeah, so. I suppose. No but, hard feelings. You know, it's just we've never really... Well, yeah, this is what Europe did. We just killed each other for hundreds and hundreds of years. And we just took it in turns to run the planet for a bit. 
and uh, eventually just got bored with it and started watching Friends and things like that. Just that we're done now. There's some really neat, not so much castles, but forts up along the U.S. Canadian border from that conflict. Um, I I can't remember if it's hexagon or pentagon shaped forts, but basically these big sprawling low walled forts where there's, you know, the, your castles have arrow slits and that sort of thing. Yeah. But these had cannon ball slits. Right. <laughs> much, uh, much different type of warfare that was going on. And they didn't really see that much action. Although along the St. Lawrence Seaway, um, are, are you familiar with Niagara Falls? Yes. From about Niagara Falls all the way over to Lake Champlain, um, which fixes the border between Vermont and New York. That was a big front in the War of 1812. And that's where some of these forts are. Right. Yeah, we just have big proper castles. You've seen some of them in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Were those real? Yeah. I assumed that they were all built sets. No, it's it's real. If you actually... Now then, the bit... Sort of the last major sequence, the as they're going to rescue all the, the men who are being hanged and that bit. Sort of that bit to the end of the film that is all within, allegedly, a castle. Is actually, when Kevin Costner and Christian Slater catapult themselves over the wall. Yes. In, in that's fact, the sequence. Yeah. That, so that whole section of that film, so the, the final quarter of that film, the last act, as it were, that, that's actually, it's all real places. It's all real castles. It's, it's technically filmed in a selection of different castles. Um, that particular shot you mentioned of them being catapulted over the wall, what, the castle that they land in I have been to twice, and so I recognize that bit quite well. But that's not where they were catapulted from. We don't know where they were catapulted from, a different castle somewhere else in Europe. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, it's all real. It's all really real. That, the castle that they land on is a French town called Carcassonne. You've heard of the game? Carcassonne. Right, yeah. the, uh, the German board game? Yeah, well, it's a real place in France, and it's a real castle in France, and it's a it's a walled city. Uh, so the bit that they actually land in is technically the little bridge that separates the residential area from the touristy town part, but it is all within the biggest castle you can possibly imagine. And uh, I believe there was a story of them being under siege. That's the story where they were under siege for ages, and they were down to their last bag of grain, and so the person in charge of the city fed this last bag of grain to a pig and threw it over the wall where the pig split open as it uh, landed. And it, all this corn burst out of it and the, the attacking army apparently decided that they were never going to siege this castle because they had so much food and gave up and went home. And that saved the city. Personally, I think that's utter bollocks, but that's what their story is. Uh, speaking of bollocks, before we get too far away from it, I just want to go on a quick Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves rant. Okay. Uh, Robin Hood was built based on an alleged 15th century character, and Richard the, Richard the Lionhearted was uh, 12th century. So, you know, just 300 years difference when it, Sean Connery shows up at the end. It's not real. Yeah. It's 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 a legend. It's it's a myth. It's uh... <sighs> a bad movie. That is really fun. I love that movie. That's not a bad movie. No, see, you're making the classic mistake. You can have a bad movie that is really fun and that you love, but it's still critically, empirically a bad movie. I think, I, yeah, okay. Okay. I accept that. It's a bad movie <laughs> that's fun to watch. 
but it, it is fun. And uh, yeah, you want to get into historical inaccuracies in that. He lands in Dover, and then in the next scene, he's walking along Hadrian's Wall. That's uh, uh, 500 miles apart. As much difference as there could possibly be and not leave the UK again. Seriously. It's like, you know, Hadrian's Wall is the wall that the Emperor Hadrian built as the border between England and Scotland. So it's literally the other end of the country. From one absolute border to the other absolute border. See, the... I, I know that this goes without saying, but do you know what movie is really terrible that way? <laughs> What's that? The Scorpion King 2. Really? <laughs> <laughs> if you want if you know anything at all about history and mythology and you want a great laugh, watch the Scorpion King too, because it's like, here's something from the eighth century, and here's something from the fifteenth century, and here's something from the first century BC. They're all compatriots. They happened at the same the same place and time. You see, you get that with think do you know what the, the other film I'd cite is The Mummy Two with that. Because I, I remember watching that with the director's commentary on the DVD. Mummy 2, not a bad film, actually. I, I hated that movie. Really? I totally disagree with you. I've seen it exactly once, and it took every bit of willpower that I had to get through it. I just like I, Rachel Vice. That's my problem. I got you. See, that's forgivable. I understand that. I, I understand the, the schwing factor. And the Egyptian chick in that movie as well. And that, bit, yeah, and that bit in the middle where they have a fight. And even though it's not really them doing it, you kind of, I'm fine with that. But I love the first movie in that series. It's, Everything after was just so yeah. bad. But do you remember how the second one starts with the, 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 it starts in London and there is a shot where you see Tower Bridge and to the left of it is Big Ben and to the right is the, the dome of St. Paul's Cathedral. And watching that with the director's commentary actually said, I just want to let you know that I know they aren't all next to each other. You we, know, <laughs> we just put them in there because you kind of expect to see them in London and it makes you feel comfortable when you do. So we right. just, we made it up, but I know it's, that you can't all see them. It's even more insidious <clears throat> than that. It really is just to remind American audiences since we're, we're, you know, where all the bank comes from. It's to remind us, Hey, this is in England. These are the only five things you know about England. Yeah. Don't forget that this is England. Hey, Americans are <clears throat> so stupid that you don't know anything about England. That's what we do. And so, yeah, you can't really see those things from from next to each other. Well, actually, no, no, you can't. You I'll bet we... that if you did a poll here, if you just went out on the street and did, I don't care if it's scientific or non-scientific, you ask as many people as you want, you're going to get the majority thinking that people in England still wear bowler hats and uh, have ridiculous canes and wear three-piece suits all the time up and down the street and that the women all wear gowns. It would be lovely if it was like that here. I've never seen anyone wearing a bowler hat in my life. Well, that obviously, is the stereotype that yeah. we have. On TV, I've seen it, like you've seen it. But in actual walking around on the street, even in London, I have never once seen that. Not ever. Maybe if some... I'm telling a lie. Once I have, but that was Michael Storer dressing up uh, like in Clockwork Orange, like Malcolm McDowell in Clockwork Orange for a Halloween party. That was the only time I've ever seen anyone intentionally put on a bowler hat. I think way, way back in the back of our psyches, we do know that things have changed, but we still have this terrible habit of projecting the 1800s onto everything in the UK. Yeah, it's, it's, you should seriously come over. It's hugely disappointing. 
<laughs> That's well, the best tourism slogan I've ever heard. I imagine you're going to get lots of TV coverage of us in the in the next couple of weeks. Uh, from what? From the Olympics and stuff. Oh, of course. Because we we're having everyone over for a bit of a do, and uh, I I think there's going to be lots of stuff about it. It's getting exciting now. I'm finding it exciting. Alison's pissed off with it already. But I, I'm excited. What's she pissed off with exactly? Well, because it's you have to understand the Olympics is now everything that there is to talk about. Everything on TV is the Olympics. Everything ah. everywhere is the Olympics. Um, We're and, protected from that to some measure because NBC, I th- I'm pretty sure it's NBC, won the bids to cover it. So right. the other channels are putting up competitive programming, but... Yeah, NBC is all time trials and qualifying rounds and that sort of thing right now. Right. We're actually, the BBC are, are doing 24 HD channels of total Olympics coverage. Wow. These these are channels that don't exist today and will not exist when the Olympics end, but we, we've seen the commercials. I will wake up on Olympics day one and my Skybox will have 24 extra HD channels. We will be able to see absolutely every second of every event at this year's Olympics. It's going to be awesome. Lisa and I have a little bit of an Olympic tradition, which is that we tend to just randomly pick people to cheer for, whether they're from <laughs> the U.S. or not. That's good. And then we lay a whole bunch of smack talk down. That's good. I like that. Yeah. I might, it's I like, might. oh, no, my fucking Jamaicans are going to beat your fucking Spanish divers. I, I'm going to propose that we do that here this year. I, th- I think that really, might be fun. really get into it and really get vehement about supporting your fake team, it gets to be so much fun. It's yeah. We we've been enjoying. We've watched a lot of Wimbledon this year as well, because uh, that's on at the moment. We we're having an enormous sport kind of period now. It's the summer of England at the moment. We're, I'm beginning to feel patriotic. It started with the Queen, and then we had what else happened? Lewis Hamilton won a race. That's always fun. And then we've got Wimbledon. We've had the boat race, which was controversial this year. Because some nutter got in the way. And then we're going to have the Olympics. We we were hoping we were going to have the European football for a bit longer, but we got beat by uh, Italy. Now, do you plan to travel down to the Olympic zone? No. It's just going to be mental. And we don't that's, have tickets for anything, so... That's the part of it that's got me in a little bit of a blood pressure rage. Uh, have you heard all this about the commercial sponsors? Oh, yeah. Isn't it that certain products are banned within arenas and other areas because they're not the official product by whoever? From what I understand, it's not even that specific area. It's anything within X number of miles of the Olympic zone. You are not allowed to have or promote any of the products that are not Olympic sponsors. So um, I I don't know if this is exactly right, but let's say that Coke is an official Olympic sponsor. You can't wear a Pepsi T-shirt inside the, you know, like three mile within three miles of the stadiums. Wow, that's. Uh, I'd love to see them police that because I can't imagine the police themselves actually giving a crap. Well, I think the problem is that because of all the money coming in, they're told that they have to give a crap. Yeah, even so, I'm still not sure. I th- we'll see what happens. I saw a couple of articles on it, and that's the that's the sort of thing that really gets me all upset because you know I'm. A news guy, big First Amendment guy, freedom of speech, freedom of the uh, expression, freedom of the press, that sort of thing. And anything that says, hey, corporate interests come before free speech or expression, that just, 
Oh, steam absolutely. No, I'm with you. Coming out my ears. I'm with you on that one. Um, I think people are more angry at the anti-aircraft missile batteries that we've been putting up around the city. But um, I could maybe if there's a big profile arrest over it or something like that, and people might kick up. Have you heard about the missiles? Um, yeah, but that's I, that's kind of old news for us. Right. We, we do that kind of more than people realize, and I don't think that we care so much about it. I think the problem was was that they decided that the best place to put one particular set of missile missiles was on top of somebody, some guy's houses, and they didn't like that at all. Like, you're going to put them on our roof. Yeah, don't worry about it. Be fine. <laughs> okay, I'll have <laughs> some missiles on my roof then. And so they did that, and they weren't happy. And so that's been in the news a little bit recently, but... Uh, yeah. Mind you, it's like, I kind of think, well, that maybe it's, you know, we live in a world where people will fly a thing into something now. And so maybe with it being the Olympics, it wouldn't hurt to have these things there just in case. It's not like they're just going to shoot down any plane. You know, it's they're looking for the one that's flying into the Olympic Stadium and they've got to put them somewhere. And so, really, unless that you think that these terrorists or whoever it is is coming over, bombing us back, and are going to take out your house, what's your worry? It'll be fine. Honestly, don't worry. It's just a security measure. And yeah, there's missiles everywhere else. Where did you think they were before? I don't know. I actually don't know where our missiles are. We apparently have nuclear mass. Uh, we're apparently a nuclear power. Where are they? You you would think there'd be huge bits of the countryside that are like, don't fucking come in here. But there well, are Well, I can tell you about my vacation experience with nuclear silos. <laughs> Go on, then. I can't remember how old I was. I think it was 12 or 13. But I, to I told you we traveled across the nation by train yeah, uh, on Amtrak. And, and we went all the way out from Syracuse, New York to Portland, Oregon. But on the return trip, we went across the northern part of the country and we stopped right at the North Dakota-Minnesota border. Uh, which is where my uncle Rick lived, and he was in the Air Force, and at the time his job was to decommission old nuclear silos, um, ones that were active, but he would go in there and he, he would be part of the Air Force mechanic crew that would crawl up under the warhead and detach the warhead and take the warhead out and then strip down these. Mm. I mean, when you when you think about it, you're, you're not really thinking how big they are. We're talking about like 15 feet across missiles. Wow. With these big warheads on them. So he took us down into the silo, got us all clearance to go down to the control room where these guys basically were sitting at these reel-to-reel -reel computers uh, across the room from each other with different buttons that they could hit when they were given the orders. And Man, that was crazy. You're down a couple hundred feet underground, and there were all these military police everywhere. And he took us right, right out onto the ramparts that circled right around this big ass missile and he was just showing us yep here's the missile here it is fun fact kids if the ussr this was before the fall of the soviet union uh or right at i think it was right at maybe maybe a year after right um after the berlin wall came down but he he said uh, fun fact if russia ever decided to launch their nukes at us we would only be able to launch in retaliation because it takes about 20 minutes uh, for us to launch these things, and it only takes eight minutes for the missiles to get from Russia to here. So, um, here you go, kids. <laughs> yeah. I think all of ours are on submarines now. I think that's that, where that, so we can park them outside your backyard without yeah. you knowing, and then just blow you up, you see. 
Well, that same uncle disappeared for seven or eight years. We didn't know where he was. He, when he resurfaced a little while later, this was, um, this was in the 80s, he told us, oh, yeah, I was decommissioning the trains that were running around Italy with nukes on them. Wow. That was the problem with the end of the Soviet Union, was they had all these missiles and they knew where they were, and then suddenly they didn't. So I think that was the, the frightening thing with that bit. But it gave us golden eye. It did. It gave us golden eye. That was that was the one good thing. <laughs> but yeah, just where were all your missiles? We don't know now. They could be anywhere. We, we dismantled <laughs> the government. We don't know where anything is. Okay. <laughs> right. We'll not worry about that then. Right. <laughs> and I don't think we know where they are now. So rest easy. <laughs> well, that was it. Never been to Russia. That would be. A, I'd love to visit Russia. Actually, there's still quite a few. I need to bring my map of Europe back again, which I should I should have one to hand, because it always got embarrassing sending out DVDs to listeners and me having to ask the person, "Is this country in Europe or not?" Bob at the post office would always roll his eyes at me. So where have I been? So Spain, Spain's lovely. Uh, France, Germany, Belgium, which is where you drive through to get to Germany. Uh, the Netherlands. And I think that's it in Europe and the United States. That's my sole traveling experience. That seems quite limited now, I think about it. There's fewer destinations within easy reach to go here. And like I said, I've only ever been to Canada, but there's an awful lot of people, and I'm very jealous of them, who get to go out to the islands, uh, the, the Caribbean, uh, Jamaica, uh, the, that whole subset of tropical islands that I'd love to get to and I I just really want to get down there even though I'm not a huge fan of heat yeah I'd love to go my parents have been a couple of times and <clears throat> they say it's great so I'd, I'd love to go but they just go and sit by a pool so as long as it's hot they could be anywhere I suppose that is the thing the, the older I get the less adventurous I feel so vacations to me are starting to sound like, hey, you know what would be great if we could just sit around the house for a little while? That would be terrific. See, me too, but Alison's getting more adventurous. I'm beginning to feel this might be a problem. Because, you know, even this week when she's sad that we've not gone on holiday, I'm like, I'm, I'm fine. Does she have the wanderlust? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. So, I don't know what to do. We'll have, I'll have to get more adventurous, I suppose. And watching that damn Tony Bourdain problem program <laughs> oh, she must go so many places now and eat some brown goo in a bowl or whatever the hell it is he's had i don't know anyway should we wrap this one up yeah we really need to because i actually have a recording coming up of atomic trivia war the tournament of people that's coming up here very very shortly Who who is it tonight we have jay art and mike from the masters of none all teaming or well not teaming up Quite the opposite. Uh, ganging up on each other. This one's going to be good. They're going for blood. I bet they are. My so uh, that'll be a good one. I can't wait for it. Awesome. I look forward to hearing that. Um, okay, then, people. If you want to email us, it's uh, remastered at simplysyndicated.com. That's where you can do that. Uh, get on the forum and tell us where you went on holiday and any weird experiences you had. I have made, uh, just scratched the surface of foreign holiday experiences that I could tell you about, really. Maybe we'll con we can come back to this. We should make a note of all the ones that we say we should come back to this, because <laughs> I can't remember what any of them are. Nor can I. I need to do a better job of tracking this all on our shared uh, Google Doc. <laughs> yeah, 
So we'll come back to this maybe one day if we ever remember that we should come back to it. We can do that. And I will say that today, right now, is the first time I can say to you that our new store system is in place and working. I saw you tweeting very triumphantly that it was up and that you'd found a new solution to some of the things that had really been yeah. rankling you. So I'm glad to hear that. That should be some stress out the back door. I mean, as I say this right now, if you cl- if you go to simplysyndicated.com slash store, by the time you're listening to the podcast of this, the store button will work on the site. It doesn't take you there yet. That button is still linked to the old store. But if you go type in the URL, simplysyndicated.com slash store, then you get to see the new store and how it works and it's broken down into audio shows it's loading very slowly here for me now i think it's just my computer yeah it probably is and what is in there the only thing that's in there right now is the newly brand new released uh, year five of movies you should see this has never been available before only as a podcast it's kind of these episodes have kind of just been in limbo for a year and a half and they're now all available on there so get on there and start downloading stuff because that's how we keep this network going apart from donations the, the thing that i really love about the store is that you're donating you're donating to us i mean you, you basically are you're donating but you're getting something for it yeah so you get something we get to make more see this is how we keep things going ideally we make content you want the content we sell you the content that's that is how i'm happy with running a podcast network i'm happier with that than i am with dealing with sponsors to be honest, there's something very down to earth about it. Like we just make this thing that people like and they are willing to give us money for it. So we give it to them. And that's that. Now we've got something that works much better than what we've ever had before. I'm so pleased with this. You can just go on and buy stuff. It's so easy now. And uh, it's all DRM free MP3s. It's all recompressed. It's higher quality. There are no adverts in anything or anything like that. I've taken all of that crap out. Uh, it's all done really nicely so go and check that out movies you should see year five is in there now everything that was in the old store i'm gonna bring over obviously uh but it it takes ages so just bear with me and more things will come that's pretty much it i think so go and check that out and then maybe i can start getting more of those emails from paypal that say i have received a payment because they make me so happy You know, and maybe one day there'll be so many payments that I, when I say to people that I'm a professional podcaster, it won't mean that I'm just really poor. So that would be awesome. And, you know, I can have a life. And other people can too. It's a business, people. You should know how this works by now, I think. Okay. I have nothing left to say. I think we're all out. So that does it for Remastered. Thank you, especially to the guys in the chat room for joining us. Or ladies. I don't know. Uh, It could be either. But thank you all very much. We will see everybody next week. Don't forget, Tuesday, 7 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. That's midnight Greenwich Mean Time. Uh, Come and hang out with us. We like you. Okay, everybody. Catch you later. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.